Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. Session of a series called Communication Breakdown. This morning's topic is communication with your teenagers, part due. Part two. I thought that would sound more fancy if I said it that way. Um, but but as we're talking, you know, we're hoping that you may be able to gain some more insight, some more wisdom into communicating with your teenagers. Because I think we would agree that we've probably seen them change through the years, right? From from when they were children of of having this great outlook on life and hopeful for the future to the to well now they're teenagers. You know, so it's, it's a little bit different, but I think we can all kind of think back and and have fond memories on, on kind of the way that our, our kids used to think. You know, so some of you, it, it might have been something like this, um, you know, when it comes to when I grow up, someday I will have so much food to eat that I'll explode. That was, if that wasn't drawn like a girl, I would think that maybe that was mine when I was a kid. I love food. Or maybe, uh, maybe for some of you seen this. What would you do if you were the ruler of the world? Well, promise it, I would destroy it from outer space. I think that's great. I think that is just promise is saying she's going to be an astronaut one day. Maybe that was kind of the route she was going. Still, other kids, they just, man, they love to shoot for the stars and have huge lofty goals like this one. When I grow up, I want to get a hat and put it on. That would be amazing if one day that child is able to do that. In this world, dream big, anything is possible. Um, And then still, you know, some, even at an early age, had really already had life figured out, like this person here. What are the three things you want to do in the future? One, get a girlfriend. Two, kiss her. Three, rule the world. (laughs) That's usually the way it happens in that order as well. But, you know, all we can do is is we can do what God calls us to do and and just keep plugging along and just really hope for the best for our babies, right? That that maybe maybe it's even a job in the business world that one day they'll be successful like this this man baby who is ready to just tackle the world. He's dressed for success. Or, Or maybe even at an early age we see that our kids have this amazing sense of duty and maybe they want to enlist in the military, you know, he's already got the buzz cut and everything. I love it. He is ready to go. But again, what we're talking about this morning is communication and being able to communicate within your family, communicate with your spouse, communicate with your children, so that when things come up in the family, whether it's struggles or whether it's um, strife, you have the tools in place to be able to communicate and handle those things. Because when we don't have those tools in place, Sometimes it may get to the point where we have to bring in outside help. Here is a story where that happened. Mom calls cops on teen son for stealing her Pop-Tarts. I don't blame her. That's blueberry frosted Pop-Tarts. You know what I mean? Like, you can't stand idle for something like that to happen. And she didn't have the necessary tools, so they had to get the police involved on this Pop-Tart issue. But as we're communicating specifically with our teens, one thing that we've got to keep in mind is we have to be relative to them, right? We have to be able to connect with them um, in their world, in their language, on their turf. And so one common way of doing that is through text messaging. How many of you text? Yeah? How many of you feel like you're pretty good at texting? Yeah, some of you are all worried, holding up your hand. You're like, is he going to make me play some kind of text game up front? I'm not even, I noticed too, these front tables are getting more and more empty. Um, But I'm not doing that. But you've got to be careful when you're communicating text because when you're not good at it, autocorrect is going to step in and is going to try to handle your conversation for you. And so if you're not good at texting and connecting with your teen, things can come across the wrong way like this one. Mom... Hey, do you still need help sewing? I can come over on Sunday, Mom. No, I urinated my pants today. I urinated my pants. I heard you. Why? Are you okay? I'm trying to say unhemmed. I did not pee myself. Again, you got to be careful. Or, or it could come out this way. Again, another text from Mama. Are you sore? Do ducks have jackets? Did mucks save maggots? Ugh. Does husk make gaggles? Never mind. What? What? I just, I just, what? 
or it could come out this way. You were definitely coming here for Christmas, right? I'm cooking ham. Yes, and I'm bringing drugs. Oh, like hell you are. Don't you even think about bringing drugs into this house, Melissa. Wow, chill, Mom. I meant I'm bringing Doug. Oh, well, why didn't you say that? You know, or sometimes we may even get information that we're not ready to deal with emotionally as of yet, like this one. How is our pregnant little daughter? Mom, how did you know? I meant perfect. Wait, what? You know, so we've got to be careful of our text messages and the way that we communicate. Hey, um, what I want to do, I want to provide an opportunity for you all before I bring Jeff up this morning. Um, Some of you know our staff. Some of you know of our staff. Some of you don't have a clue who our staff is or, or what they do. And so we want to kind of begin to introduce you to a few of our staff. And so I want to bring up three for you to get to know a little bit better. Um, Brittany Ford, who I lovingly refer to as Buford, will come on up here. John Parham, and then Emilio Hood. If y'all could go ahead and uh, come on up front. If y'all could give them a hand so it's not so awkward, the, uh, the walk from their tables up front. They gave, they gave Buford the middle. Um, hey, let's just start off, just in case people don't even know who you are, um, just introduce yourselves and uh, tell everybody what it is that you do here. My name is Emilio Hood. I'm a campus director here with Watershed, and I have the privilege of hanging out with Duluth students, high school, middle school, and then some students from other schools as well. My name is Brittany Ford, and I'm a two-year Watershed intern or um, the Johns Creek campus director, and so um, I hang out with Johns Creek students, do stuff with Young Life there, and um, get them connected to Perimeter. My name is John Parham, and I focus on Lambert High School. I'm the Lambert campus director or also just a two-year intern, so um, it's been cool to get to know Lambert families. Uh, I also help with Young Life, and get to know the students on campus that way, just going to lunch at the school and whatnot. So I help with Watershed on Sunday nights and also uh, focus on Lambert High School. John, you will never be just a two-year intern, by the way. Hey, Buford, why don't you hold that mic? Okay. Tell me this. Wh- what's the favorite part of your job, your favorite part of the job that you do? Um, I mean, definitely spending time with students, but uh, more specifically than that, I love those light bulb moments um, when God gives us glimpses of what he's doing in their lives. Because um, so oftentimes when he's doing stuff through relationships, um, he's just calling us to be faithful. And it takes time and we don't always get to see what he's doing, even though he is working. And so um, those light bulb moments, like uh, in January, there was a girl um, that texted me and she was in my Young Life group. Um, she didn't grow up in church at all, and um, I I had a feeling she was, like, getting to know the Lord, and I got a text from her, um, and it was a verse that I hadn't asked them to read, and she said, hey, what does this mean, and um, it was the verse that says, um, if anyone would follow me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow me, and when I got that text, I was just like, this is so awesome, getting to explain that to them, so just those um, glimpses that God gives when he's working are so awesome. Very cool. Emilio, most of us count down the days to get out of the adolescent stage and run away from middle and high school, and for some reason, you choose to go back. Why don't you share with us, why Why do you work with kids? Like other than the pay being so good? Right, other than yeah. the six, seven-figure salary. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Um, we'll I, pass away don- donation cards for you after this. Sounds good. Sounds good. The uh, reason that I hang out with kids um, today, and you know, most people run away from high school, and, and I run into it, um, is just when I was in high school, and I was a teenager, and I, I was going through many things, I had uh, a couple of older guys in my life who just really poured into me and, and just loved me like crazy. Um, and uh, it just impacted my life in, in eternal ways. And so uh, when I got to college, I just realized that's, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be that person, someone who um, is intentional with, with high school students, who's going to love high school students. Um, I love being another voice in their life. You know, obviously they have uh, you, the parents, who, who speak truth. I like to be another voice. Um, you know, kids are surrounded by loud noise from 
their friends, from from television, from music, and I think that the more positive voices they have, the better. Yeah, I love it. John, uh, tell me, what what is it? What what's your calling right now? What do you feel like your calling is? Um, I feel called to minister to high school students. I mean, that's what I do. But the reason why I do that is because, uh, actually, for me, it was in college, and there was this guy named Dr. Darvel, who's the dean of the School of Business, and he had a Bible study at his house, and he brought uh, just a select few guys over, and he started investing in our lives, and I can remember just the change that it made. Like, somebody cares about me other than my parents or maybe, um, you know, just other family members, but somebody cares about me enough to pay for pizza you know, for me to eat on Sunday nights, and then also just to, like, go through a Bible study with me or ask me, hey, what is it that you want to study, or what do you want to learn about, and then take it, like, to the next level of spiritual uh, maturity uh, for me, and then also, like, listening to the problems that I have. I remember, like, going to his office and, like, Dr. Darvel, I'm, I'm having problems with this girl, or Dr. Darvel, I'm having problems with school, and he was the dean, so that was kind of cool, but, like, you know, just, like, Somebody who would listen, like Emilio said. So ever since then, uh, I knew that God was going to use me in a similar fashion with guys that were younger than me. Um, that I want to be there for them. I want to rejoice when they're rejoicing, and I want to cry when they're crying, and I want to be uh, somebody who cares about them besides, uh, quote-unquote, for me, like it was just their parents or their family. Uh, somebody who doesn't necessarily have a reason to care, but... Uh, that I'd care because uh, Jesus loves them, and I want to show that to them. So It's interesting, the commonality of somebody investing in you guys is what made you want to invest in someone else. And I think pizza and youth ministry is synonymous for the most part. I had a buddy who traveled doing music who had finally to the point had to put in his contract, when I stay with you guys, no pizza. Because every time he would do these youth rallies, they fed him pizza. He was getting sick of it and fat. Um, Buford, tell us, what what is something that you know you do differently than most people? Uh, I would say that I'm youthful. And not just because I'm young, I am. Um, but as an example, I when I came on staff last August... Uh, it was my first job. This is my first job after college. I graduated from UGA last May. And Go dogs! I know, right? <laughs> um, and I was just—I was talking to our team, and I think I realized that I was putting a lot of um, pressure and expectations on myself, thinking this is my first job after college and um, what I needed to do, um, you know. And with the help of my team, they just helped me realize that. Me being youthful and being right out of college is something different that I bring to the team. And um, being able to relate to these students in, um, in a way that I was there not too long ago. And so God is really just um, teaching me to walk in that. And that's who I am. And it is something that I bring to the table. And just what he's teaching me now at this stage in my life and um, getting to share that with girls. So. Very cool. I like how you indirectly called us, the rest of the staff, old. So that was cool. I appreciate that, Buford. Um, John, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, we looked at some of those slides earlier of what they wanted to grow up, grow up and be, and I don't think you wanted to eat so much you would explode, but what did you want to be? Uh, ever since I was, like, two years old, I was playing baseball from, like, I think the first team I was on, I was three years old. But I was out in the front yard playing baseball, and I always loved to watch the Braves. So I wanted to be a professional baseball player. Uh, and this wasn't like some little kid fantasy, like, I'm going to be a professional baseball player. And then once I got into middle school, I kind of let it go. And, like, maybe I'll be a lawyer or maybe I'll be a dentist, like a real job. But this was like, I'm going to be a professional baseball player all the way through college. Like, I want to be a professional baseball player. And... Um, so yeah, that was my dream. Uh, but it's okay. Like, I love what I do. Like I get to play sports as part of my job. So that's one way we get to connect with high school students. So it worked out and God is good. When we were talking about this before John was sharing, oh, I wanted to be a baseball player all the way through high school. And his wife said, no, 
<laughs> he, she was like, up till about a month ago is how long he was holding on to that dream. He probably still holds on to it a little bit. Um, Emilio, tell us, wh- what are you most proud of? Oh, that one's easy. I'm most proud of my family. My wife makes me look really good, and not just because she's really hot. And then my kids are awesome, and I'm really proud. And I'll share this. I had the privilege of taking my daughter to, like, little daddy, princess, daughter dance thing. And and she looked beautiful, and it was awesome. And, and I'm downstairs waiting. You for looked her. great, too, by the way. You know, no one said that, but I, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you're the first one, including my wife. You're the first one that's n- noticed. Um, but, uh... But I'll just, I'll, I'll send there downstairs waiting, and, you know, I'm excited. And, and my, my daughter is, is upstairs getting ready, getting her hair all, all done and, and her dress on. And I'll, I just hear she goes, can I go show Daddy now? And just like, that's my little girl. And then she came down the stairs, and I was like, you look too grown up. So. Then he also shared with me the host at the Daddy-Daughter Dance said, enjoy it now, guys, because somebody one day will take her away from you. That's true. That's and Emilio waited for him in the parking lot. Yeah. Um, Buford, what's what's one thing that you have not done that you you really want to do? Um, I so I want to move to Asia or the Middle East one day, um, and I don't know when that's going to be or exactly where. But just to go to a place where there's truly unreached people groups that haven't heard the gospel and just be able to to share Jesus with them, like. Gets my heart pounding. I'm just, I want to do that. <laughs> gotcha, John. Here, here's a tough one for you. Would you rather lose all your old memories or never be able to make new ones? Um, I think I would rather lose all of my old memories than to not be able to make any new ones. Uh, and I say that because. Like, Heather and I just got married a year and a half ago, and we want to have kids and, like, see them grow up and that kind of stuff. And, yes, like, there have been some wonderful memories in the past. But to not be able to remember the future, uh, like, the things that will happen, I don't think I'd pass that up. So that would be my choice. I like that statement. I'm going to put on a T-shirt. I can't remember the future. (laughs) I like it. Buford, what um has your greatest fear ever come true? So at first I w- would say that I I would want to think I don't I don't have a greatest fear, um, but yes, it has. <laughs> and um so my greatest fear <laughs> is not being perfect or being inadequate. And it comes true every day, all the time. And um that I mean that might sound silly, but really like I'm so glad that that's the case because I wouldn't see Jesus if he wasn't constantly showing me um, my need for him and that he just resting in not being perfect and being inadequate um, and just it makes me like cling to him and um, and his perfection and what he's done. So, um, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Amelia, I'm going to let you close us out. Um, and I'm going to ask you this. If the average human lifespan was 40 years, how would you live your life differently? It's an easy question. Yeah, thanks for throwing a softball up. Um, how would I live my life differently? I don't, this is cliche, I don't think I would. Well, as perfect as you are, I wouldn't think right? you would need to. Yeah. When you look so. like this. Yeah, that's true. You're doing something if right. If they just saw the pictures from the daddy-daughter dance. Right. <laughs> if they just knew how good I looked last night. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, I've, I, my parents were over at my house last night, and and uh, we started talking about me in college and me remembering how much I disappointed them in college, grade-wise, grade-wise. Not, and so, uh, but looking back, you know, if, if things had gone differently and I would become the lawyer my parents wanted me to be, I wouldn't have met my smoking hot wife. I wouldn't have two absolutely gorgeous daughters. I wouldn't get to work with you, but most importantly, Jeff. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I really wouldn't. He does give the right hands. I, what? Um, I really wouldn't change anything. Awesome. Thank you. Hopefully that gave you all a little bit more insight into at least three more of our staff. So you guys can have a seat. Thank you all for sharing.
And you're all welcome. I'm going to bring our big kahuna, Jeff Summers, up to uh, give a little further wisdom. I hope what you got from that is uh, the quality of the people that we have working with us. You know, it's a privilege for me to get to work with them, but I would love for my daughter or my son to hang out with any one of them. You know, they're, they're, uh, they're awesome and uh, they're fun, as you can see, but there's a depth to each of them as well. I hope you could, you could pick up on that, that they love Jesus, and, and that's really what we want, right, is to get our kids around other people who love Jesus, because there's a lot that's accomplished, and God works through that. Um, today, we're going to continue talking about communication, and we've been down a lot of different paths, right, and in this uh, journey on communication breakdown. We started out with communicating with yourself, right, that there's barriers that we have when we're communicating with our kids because we have our own baggage, right? We have our own backgrounds and uh, things that have happened to us in the past, our personality types, our culture types, and so uh, those can be barriers for us in communicating. And then we talked, uh, we went into communicating with your teen, part one was the next week. Uh, Last week we talked about um, communicating with your spouse, or last month, and then uh, now we're, we're back to communicating with your teen again. And then we'll finish this out. Our next Parent You is actually in May. We're taking April off because it's crazy with two spring breaks and Easter. And it's just there's no way really we can fit Parent You in next month. So we're, we're, we're taking April off. And, and May 4th will be our last Parent You before the summer. And there we're going to really talk about community. Like how do you communicate with your peers and your kids' friends, I mean, your, your kids' friends' parents. So how do you build community uh, and, a, and a support group and a system? And that's what we're going to focus on in May. Um, well, I want to just kind of kick off this today, talking about communicating with your kids, to tell you a little story that happened just last week. Um, at my house, we, we, our three younger kids attend perimeter school here, and we carpool. My neighbor... Um, Kyle Drake and his wife Jay, some of you may know them, and the, the Drakes uh, go to Christos Church, but our, they have four kids, I have four kids, and um, we carpool together a lot, and so uh, his kids are kind of, we've lived, we've been neighbors for years, and so we have great relationships with their kids as well, but in carpooling, we kind of had this whole uh, clash going on of who gets the front seat, or I want the second seat, you know, we have a suburban and, you know, we're taking like five or six kids to school, and suddenly there's just the battle royale going on about, well, I always sit in the way back, and I, I never get the front, and you always get the front, and I'm sure you guys have never experienced anything like that. But that was going on. So I, you know, went into my pastor mode, and uh, how are we going to deal with these teenagers in this, this argument? So I, what, I went into what I call lecture mode, okay, and I... And I I used, I did go to scripture, right? I was like, what does the Bible say? You know, he who's first will be last in the kingdom of heaven. God's economy is different from our economy. And, and tried, you know, and I, I talked and talked and talked until I got like to the next stoplight, which was, you know, a good five or six minutes of lecture. And it was kind of quiet in the car. And I was thinking, oh, I think I've gone on too long. I mean, I think I'm definitely lecturing and I don't know that this is going to cheat. So then I apologized for lecturing and I still thought, though, I think I did a pretty, pretty decent job. Well, the next day, uh, before we got in the car, I got a call from Kyle informing me that his younger daughter was now weighed enough to sit in the front seat. So clearly, I didn't get through to anybody because she was already positioning herself to say, I wasn't even in the running for the front seat. Dad, call and make sure that they know that I weigh enough that I can sit in the front seat without triggering the airbag. And so I was like, okay, so I just lectured, and it just, right over their head, they completely missed the point. Now, that just goes to show, this is, this is what we do. I can be like Syndrome, right? I've, Cammie has caught me many times. At Syndrome, I don't know if you remember The Incredibles, he monologues, you know, and one time he's talking, and that they always said that the, the villain always gives himself away his plan because he monologues and tells the whole story, and I can do that, right? I like to hear myself talk. I like to get in this, well, I know what's, you know, here's what you need to do, and, blah, 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 and, I, and I just start lecturing. And it blows me away how good I am at it, uh, how easy it is for me to get into lecture mode, 
when it's really not that effective. And Cammie's really good at calling me on it. Um, usually not in the middle. Sometimes she'll get behind me and be like, you know, you know stop lecturing because I can just get into that mode. Um, Proverbs 10 says this, when words are many, and, and we've, we've been talking about Proverbs a lot through this series because it says a lot about communication, but when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Now, I think, I don't usually think I sin when I'm lecturing, okay, but I do think there's something really cool about that verse that says when you restrain your lips, okay, restraint that when we're talking to our kids, showing some restraint and not just wearing them out by, I, I can beat a dead horse, man, and then until it, it goes on and on. Uh, Proverbs 15 says this too, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath. And boy, it's interesting. I can just go, I, I, can, I can be harsh just really quickly without even meaning to. Um, Tirza, again, I can tell another story of how I blew it. Just this week, Tirza was homesick one day, and I just said her name. Like she was sitting, watching TV, and she had a bunch of stuff that I'd asked her to do, and I knew it wasn't done, but I didn't really know she was sick. And I was walking through, and I turned, and I just said her name. But the tone that I used, like the harshness, I just was like, you know, <laughs> there's this harsh tone, and I just said her name, and I could tell, like, eyes welled up. You guys have never, probably never done this either. And uh, tears, you know, and I was just like, I didn't, I was aware enough to stop right at that moment and start to apologize, but I couldn't believe how quickly it was, the tone, what it brought out just instantly. Um, we have a little clip here from uh, King Triton, and I don't know why I was on a Disney kick this week, but um, let's see what King Triton, how he reacts to something of Ariel. When tomorrow's t- a different soundtrack than I remember. Now the context of this, if, just so you know, while he's finding this is, uh, Daddy. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I consider myself a reasonable merman. I set certain rules and I expect those rules to be obeyed. Daddy, Is it true you rescued a human from drowning? Daddy, I had... Contact between the human world and the world is strictly forbidden. Ariel, you know that. Everyone knows that. He would have died. One less human to worry about. You don't even know him. Know him? I don't have to know him. They're all the same. Spineless, savage, harpooning fish eaters. Incapable of any feeling. Daddy, I love him. No. Lost your senses completely? He's a human. You're a mermaid. I don't care. So help me, Ariel. I am going to get through to you. And if this is the only way, so be it. If you remember the story, it turned out really good for her after that, right? She just said, Dad, you were right. I was wrong. And she amended her ways, and it all worked out really well, right? No, she didn't. He kind of drove her away, and she, uh, of course, it is just a, it's a cartoon. It's not real life. But I have the tendency to be like King Triton. I have a tendency, especially when... Uh, I am defied, right, or someone goes against what I say, my initial response can be exactly what this says. It's not a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I can bow up. I can feel offended personally. I take it personally when uh, my kids disobey me, right? Instead of thinking, oh, wow, they have a sin nature. I mean, think of King Triton. What if he had said, what if he'd been soft and quiet as he interacted with her and said, you know, I know you're curious about what's going on up there. Tell me how you're feeling. What if he'd gone after her heart? What if he'd gone after why she saved him? You know, and instead of all that, but all he could think about really was that she had gone against what he said, right? And it just took him to a level. It ratcheted him up immediately uh, at a whole new, new height. And that's because that's what we do. We, we take it personally when our kids sin against us like this. Um, I would love, as usual, to be able to go to a verse that says, all right, now let's talk 
Let's go to that part of the Bible where it tells us all exactly how to communicate with our teenagers. But we know that it doesn't say that, right? It, the Bible is not a parenting, you know, book. It is, it's in there, but we got to mine it and we got to dig for it and, and find it. And so I'm going to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you have your Bible, or if you're taking notes and you want to write down 1 Corinthians 2. And um, let me read this, and I'll tell you, the first time I read it to Cammie, she's like, how in the world are you going to apply that to parenting? But I think you're going to see that it does apply to us, uh, that God's Word is living and active, and that it has a lot to teach us, even in areas that we don't necessarily think are going are to communicate about parenting. So it says this in 1 Corinthians 2, starting with uh, verse 1. And I, and this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. All right, now what Paul is talking about, he's reminding them of when he went to visit them at the church, and he's saying, I wasn't the most eloquent guy, but I was there, and I only had one message, and that was Jesus. And I may not have communicated it the most eloquent way, but I was able to communicate Jesus to you, and I did it in fear and trembling and in, the, and in a demonstration of the power of God and his spirit. Now, how does this apply to parenting? There's a lot here because really, ultimately, and I, and I, I have to remind myself this all the time, even though we're managing behavior, right? We're managing our household. The ultimate thing that you and I want to communicate, if nothing else gets through, right, is that our kids know Jesus, I mean, I think about how important that prayer is over and over again. As I pray for my kids, I think knowing Jesus, if they know Jesus and love him and live for him and live in him and walk in his way, he's going to take care of the rest. Doesn't mean they're not going to struggle. Doesn't mean they're not going to have problems. Doesn't mean, but it's all about Jesus. That's what I'm trying to communicate to them is show them the love of Christ. And so we do see some things that we can take out of this that apply uh, into what we're, what we're doing as we're communicating with our kids. The first thing is he says, not with lofty speech or wisdom, right? Uh, you don't have to be the best communicator. You don't have to be the greatest to communicate with your kids and get them to, uh, to hear you and understand you and so on. One of the most amazing things about this is just that you communicate that you love your kids. Do they know you love them? I mean, they know you love them up here, right? They know you're their parents. They know you love them, but do they know you love them here? And I think there are times, especially during the teen years, that it's easy to forget that. And so how do we communicate that? I think of 1 Corinthians 13, where it's, Paul said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am nothing. Okay, he's saying, you can be the most eloquent and speak amazing and, and have these great strategies and all this, but if you're not communicating you love your kids, you're going to miss the mark. How are we communicating that love? Even Jesus was able to communicate that. Like when the rich young ruler spoke to him and confronted him, the passage says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. I think that's amazing that Jesus, even when some guy is talking to him and he's getting ready to even kind of rebuke him in a way, he loves him. And he, you can tell by the way Jesus is, is looking at him and reaching out to him. We see this, um, that this is the key to communication in lots of different ways, right? If I said to you, okay, uh, and, and I can use Jace, my son had a football coach last year who just berated the kids all the time, just yelled at them and, and beat them down, you know, constantly yelling, yelling, yelling. And they didn't want to listen to what he had to say. Even if he had great knowledge, right, about football, the way he was treating them the, it was so poorly, there was no way. He was not communicating that he cared about them, not communicating love, them. they're not going to listen to him. Then the next year, he had a different coach, and a completely different approach. And this other coach was able to communicate, first and foremost, that he cared about them. He cared about the players. Well, then, sure, did he yell at them at times? Of course he did. But 
even though things at, at different times went you know, wrong or he would yell or other things, they knew that he cared about them because he showed interest in them. He pursued them. He communicated this love. And so that is one of those key points is that we want to communicate that we love them. Are we pursuing our kids when we aren't disciplining them? Are we pursuing them so they know that we care about them, that we ask them about their day, or are we just intervening when things go wrong? Um, Nobody wants to be our project, right? My kids don't want me to fix them. And if I communicate and I'm only interacting with them when things are bad or I'm not communicating that I love them but I just want them to behave a certain way, they're not going to hear me right? That's going to interfere with that communication. So Paul says that. You don't have to have this lofty speech or wisdom. The next thing he says is, I, he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our number one priority is to show Christ to our kids. Uh, One thing that I want to challenge you, could, could a Jewish rabbi give the same kind of instruction to his kids as you're giving your kids? I have to ask myself this all the time, and even I challenge my staff when we teach. Could a Jewish rabbi teach the same lesson that I taught? Now think about that. A lot of times, what is the difference in what a Jewish rabbi teaches and what I should teach? Somebody. Jesus, right? Jesus. But it's not just the person of Jesus. It's the message of Jesus. It's the gospel. It's the grace. It's, hey, you know what? You can't be good enough. In fact, you're not good enough. You're not good enough, and you can't be. And because of that, we need a Savior. Does our parenting reflect that? Does it reflect, hey, you're not good enough, and you can't be, and I'm not good enough either? You you see the difference. It's really easy for us to just kind of hit the law and hit the moral rules and never bring Jesus to bear in in our parenting model. Uh, that's easy to happen, uh, and all of us can fall into that. Uh, Monty Stark's one of, the, one of the staff members here. He's the pastor over discipleship and global outreach. But he, he tells a story of one of his kids who had gotten messed up in some stuff at school and a discipline thing, and all other kids were involved, and they were calling parents, and it was like a big deal. And, and his uh, child had lied to him about it. I mean, it was kind of like a big, big mess. And they had talked, and there had been tears and all this stuff, and then the next day, and it's this beautiful story, the next day, he took his daughter, and he went to this restaurant and bought her the biggest Sunday that you could possibly get, and she was very confused, as you can imagine, because she was in trouble, right? She had messed up big time, and he used the opportunity to say, you don't deserve this, and she said, I don't deserve this, and he's like, you're right. And he shared the gospel with his daughter again to say, you know what? You don't deserve this. This is the message of the gospel. Jesus gives us everything when we deserve nothing. And it was a beautiful moment. You know, there was tears and there was hugs and there was, but, you know, to hear him say that reminds me, okay, I've got to preach the gospel to my kids and not just the rules because it's really easy. Again, that lecture mode, right, comes just naturally to me. And I just want to jump in there and do that. Um, If we are constantly in lecture mode, what we're really communicating is is you don't measure up. You don't measure up to what I, I demand or what our household demands. And what the difference in that and what the gospel says is you don't measure up and I don't measure up, but Jesus measured up on our behalf. You see the difference in that? That's a huge different message that we need to communicate. And, and showing our kids their sin so that they turn to Jesus is the, is the difference instead of just showing them their sin so that they repent to us. Big difference in the two things. Uh, the next one that he mentions is he said, I went to them in weakness and fear, right? He said, I was with you in weakness and in much fear and trembling. I think that's amazing. You think of the Apostle Paul and you think, wow, this is, I mean, this is a paragon of biblical wisdom and knowledge and power. And he's a giant, you know. And he's like, I came among you among, with fear and trembling and weakness. 
So he, that just shows that as we communicate, we have to be transparent, right? We have to be, we have to show our own frailty with our kids as we're communicating with them. Uh, again, showing them that we need the gospel as much as they need the gospel. Um, I, you know, we've mentioned this before. You can talk to your kids. If they're, if they're dealing with something you struggle with, it's great to show, share your own story. Whether it's something you're dealing with now, like if they're having conflict with somebody at school, right, and, it's, and they're distraught and you're wanting to talk to them about it, it's great for you to go, hey, guess what? I'm having conflict with my boss right now, and let me tell you about that, and let me tell you how I'm dealing with it, how I'm struggling with it, and I've got a grudge that I, I'm, trying, you know, I'm trying to learn to forgive, and I have to go to Jesus to learn to forgive. Now, how does that apply to your situation? You know, you can share what's going on with you now as a way to be transparent, or you can go back and go, oh, okay. Yeah, this has happened in your life. I remember when I was your age and telling the story of what happened in your life then. You know, they need to know that you're human, right? Because you're dad or your mom, you know? And it's like, oh, you're not a person. You're just dad. You know, you have this persona. You have this role. But when you can remind them that you're human just like they are, that's a great thing. Um, we We want to be transparent. We want to... Go to them with fear and trembling. Also spend time trying to understand where they're coming from. And there we have to, you know, put ourselves in their seat. And this is really hard for us, I think. And I don't even know that it's much easier for my staff, like the youth staff that was up here, and even for me, because I've had one foot in the teen world for the last 20 years. Okay, so when, I, when you say, what is it a teen's life like, I think of that because I hang out with teenagers my whole life. But a lot of you have not done that, right? We didn't even like our teen years. And so you kind of put that in that filing cabinet in your brain and you shoved it away and there's cobwebs growing on what it was like to be 12. And you don't want to remember what it was like to be 12 because you hated being 12 or 14, right? And so you don't want to think about that. But you're going to have to go back and pull that drawer out and spend some time thinking about how you felt as an awkward 15-year-old with pimples all over your face, right? And when you hated the way you looked in the mirror or when all your friends were being mean to you, you've got to spend some time revisiting those feelings because when you spend that time and then your child talks to you about what's going on, you can say, I understand, right? And use those active listening skills. Um, one One of the things that is so helpful when you're talking to your kids is when they talk and tell you something, say, hey, now do I hear, what I hear you saying is, and then you repeat back to them in your own words what, what they said, because it's really easy to miss, right? We, we can think we hear something, and, and then we, make, we start going into lecture mode again, right? And, and we didn't even really listen. We were just waiting to answer their question. And so to, to hear them and say, okay, yeah, okay, what I hear you saying is this, so what you're saying is, when they did this, it made you feel like this, and that's why you reacted the way you did. Is that, is that correct? You know, and, and use that to, to kind of delve in and pursue their heart. Um, let them know they've been heard. Um, use you know, question marks instead of periods. Don't make statements about them, but ask questions. Uh, you know, my tendency is to want to say, what were you thinking? Right? I'm sure none of you have ever said that either. You know, that's, that's one of those... Think about that question really for a second. Let's back up from that. If you say, especially in the tone that I just used, what were you thinking? What I'm really saying is you're stupid, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I, that just, I didn't have that in my notes. I just now heard myself and I went, gosh, that's awful. It's, I'm just saying you're stupid, okay? So instead of saying, what were you thinking? What if we said, how did that make you feel? Isn't that a better question? Because really, the behavior that they're doing that we want to manage is the surface thing. There's a heart issue going on under the surface that if we don't delve down even into the feelings and below the deepest need that's not being met, we won't know why they reacted the way they did up top, right? We have to dive down and get to the message, get to the what is driving it underneath the surface. We're running out of time. Uh, The demonstration... Paul says, I had a demonstration of power, okay? He talks about his actions, not just, not just his words. We have to be consistent at home 
the things that we are teaching them, there needs to be a demonstration in our own lives, right? If we're teaching them to put others first, for example, we have to put others first or else they just think we're hypocrites and we're not, our message is not going to get through. Um, this is really good if you're the chief confessor in your home, right? If you are, then you're modeling that repentance constantly for them. And that is, that is a great thing. Uh, and last, last two things, the spirit. He says, I had a demonstration of power with the spirit. The spirit of God is the only one who can change our kids' hearts. He's the one who does the work. And I think it's so easy for me to forget that. How much am I praying before, during, and after I talk to my kids about something? I don't. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I'm convicted by, as I'm reading this passage, to think, how much do I rely on God to do the changing? Or do I think I can do it? And we've got to spend more time praying for our kids. And praying during or after a conversation can be, or even at the beginning, can be so great, especially if there's a lot of tension. It's amazing how as you pray for your kids as you're entering into a difficult conversation, and they hear you lifting up their voice to God, how it diffuses that tension so beautifully. I mean, it's just amazing how God does that and works that in us. And lastly, again, it's the power of God who does that change. Um, you know, you also want to be careful, and this is just an aside about tag teaming. Cammy and I are really good at tag teaming our kids. We're both very verbal, and we can sit down and start to instruct and then it's like, her, me, her, me, you know, and, and our kids don't have a chance, you know, they just feel ganged up on, and like, there's no way they're going to get a word in edgewise, and so keep that in mind, one of you might want to be more quiet, or even, even let one of you handle it, because of the tag teaming factor. Uh, now, I just want to close with this, I want to kind of go back to the carpool, and think about how we handle that situation, you know, when I was in that carpool situation, I lectured, we could say nobody gets the front seat, right? That's an easy way to handle it. That's actually one of the, the first things that came to mind. It was Cam. Okay, Cammie's the one who said that. I'm going to call her out. But she's like, nobody gets the front seat. And that's because she likes a good rule, right? She's told you that. She likes a good rule. Consequences. And it, it solves the problem, right? Oh, you're bickering and complaining? Boom. Let's just make a rule, right? And, I, and if you guys have been around Parent You long enough, you know that's not where I go because I don't want to just manage behavior. We want to get to the, we want to dive in deeper, right? Um, so we can't just manage the behavior. Um, we can make a schedule, which was the next thing I thought of. I was like, well, you know, and I wanted them to work it out. Why don't you all work it out? And you come up with a schedule. And not, not bad. They're problem solving, right? There's some value to that. I think they can problem solve. They can work on it together. They can come up with a schedule themselves. And so, but it's still just kind of solving the problem instead of getting to the heart of where they are. Okay? Um, now, I did think of this. One of the kids, Colson, didn't even ask to sit up front. And I thought, well, I could just move Colson up front and say, wow, first should be last. He doesn't even want to sit in the front, so he gets the front. Right? And I could do that. Doggone it, though, he's too small, okay? The airbag doesn't work with him, and I can't do that. So that one was off the table. Um, we could use questions, and this is where I think maybe I should have gone with it if I'd been more, in, you know, in the moment, is, and to say, hey, guys, let me ask you a question. What makes Christians different? What makes Christians different from anybody else? And let them wrestle with that for a while. And kind of come in and say, you know, the world wants the front seat, don't they? I mean, isn't that really what the world says? Get the front seat if you can, right? Get the, get, be first. Be first in line. Rise to the top. Step on everybody else if you can. That is the message that comes through loud and clear from the world. But what makes Christians different? And let them wrestle with that and see if we can't get to the heart and show them that, you know what, I, I want the front. Now, I get the front because I'm driving. But I want the front seat, and we all want the front seat. But isn't it amazing that Jesus took the very back seat for us, right? That he, he died so that we could have the front seat. He died, and he took that place. You know, bring that gospel in there to show them even in the car seat, you can bring Jesus into that situation. And 
redeem that situation and make them think about the motivation that's really going on underneath, all right? Communicating is hard. It's hard with our kids, and we, we got a lot to learn, and it's, it's difficult. So let me pray for y'all in this, and then I got a couple announcements. And um, Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you. Help us to communicate with our kids, Lord, to show them Jesus first and foremost, that we would be transparent, that we would go out. No, uh, Lord, we pray that you would just guide us in this endeavor as we pursue the hearts of our kids. Uh, we love you, we need you, and uh, Lord, we need your power, first and foremost, to work in and through us uh, to show our kids uh, your face. All these things we pray in Christ's name, amen. Um, we have a couple of announcements real quick. Um, we have Gold Rush. Uh, you can register right now for Gold Rush. You save, I think, $25 if you register before. Is at the end of March, I believe. And then um, our next servant team meeting, if your kids are doing that, is April 13th. Is that the only? And then, oh, Fiesta Dodgeball Rush, April 27th. We're combining two of our favorite rushes, which is a student-led you know, youth group time where we're playing dodgeball and eating Mexican food. It sounds like there's going to be some serious stomach aches in that. I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. All right, Cammie has a brief announcement, and uh, I've got to go lead worship in the hangar. So. Okay. I'm so glad y'all are here. I just feel like y'all are, are people. <laughs> and um, I was laughing when he was doing the, the text messaging because I had a funny story with Tirza. Um, I was texting her. She asked me something via text, and she said, can so-and-so come over? And I, you know, wanting to be quick about it, I texted her back with the letter why for yes yes she can and she texted me back and said well we're going to do this we got to study and da, 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 da. and she responded and I was like why yes you can bring her over that's fine and she texted again and she said well we're going to do this and we've got to study and will you just give me an answer and 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 I was like I'm saying yes why do you keep texting and she goes no you're saying why w-h-y <laughs> because of the letter I was using and I was like Communication breakdown. Here it is through it through texting. I did exactly the same thing. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so I'm glad y'all are here. I wanted to remind y'all about Facebook. We are on Facebook. Please like us on Facebook. We've got blogs going on and tweeting, and it just makes me um, feel loved and accepted by you guys when you read and acknowledge and like and all those things. And so. Um, Please do. And then, too, I wanted to tell you all, uh, the study that I wrote for wives is in the, bo the bookstore. And I am going to do a, a group, take a lady, group of ladies through in June and July. It's an eight-week study. Um, so we're going to take nine weeks and either do it on a Wednesday night or Thursday night. And I'll let you all know. We, I don't know yet. So I'm waiting to hear from facilities where we can meet and all that. But wanted to let you all know. And just wanted to encourage you all to, when Jeff was sharing about what he was going to teach tonight, I was like, Yes, yes, because I had one of those hard weeks where I walked away and I was like, oh, I'm a bad mom, and I said mean things, and I was unkind, and all those things. So just be encouraged that we need the gospel to this parents, and preach it to yourself so that you can preach it to your teen. So have a great day. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the Student Ministries website at www.perimeter.org slash students for more information. Thank you.